But when you move from going into worship, which is your testimony, you tell people about the Lord. But it's in the Holy of Holies that you go into. It's nothing but about Him. It's a process to go into the presence of the Lord. And so there's an atmosphere that shifts. Because when you get into that atmosphere, right, you lay down everything in your life and you go into the most, uh, the best version of you. You go into the place that you don't even know who you are because you just go right into who he says you are. And that is the place in which you can be the most whole is as a worshiper. That's why when you go into that, it's like, wow, where do we go? We just elevated into the throne room. And he sets down on that worship. There is a difference when somebody sings, and that was amazing, uh, you know, talent. There's a difference when you usher in the presence of the Lord. And so Friday night, you know, we prayed in this place and worshiped. And there was even opposition that I even sensed when the, the team was trying to, to worship. Because, see, we're only natural human beings, right? Yeah. And it was as though the enemy knew exactly what was about to happen. Now, do you know he does know what's about to happen? I can promise you he ain't here today. Because he don't want to be nowhere near this property right now. Do I need to leave it on the side? I'm... So I have a lot of word to give you, but man, I just got anyway. I was sitting over there, and the Lord gave me two or three things. But at this point, I can tell you this. You know, I expected the praise team to come in with more absolutely anointing and power. We laid hands on them. The Holy Spirit gave them a fresh anointing for this season. And I believe even upon those that were here that they came in, they came into His gates with thanksgiving with their hearts lifted up to God. Not come and just let me be entertained and and then hopefully God you know my burdens and I'm going to get healed and saved all over again today. It begins to shift the atmosphere. That's why when the old fashioned revival came it's because they were talking with Jesus every single day they came into the to the house on Sunday and it was nothing but a praise and worship time because of all week at their homes and revival had hit and they had testimony about when they came to the house of the Lord they came exalting his name for the favor and the victory on their lives and it doesn't matter what kind of day you've had when you get into worshiping God your faith enlarges your mind drops everything that hinders you and things that look like they're in the natural they become supernatural and the message it just precedes the word because the Lord knows the things in our lives that the enemy tries to block He knows the things of our nature that literally hinder us from moving forward and truly walking in power and authority. And so today, I want to talk to you about a generous spirit. And what an atmosphere to preach this in. Because I'm going to start, and yeah, he's got it up there for me. Thank you, John. And I didn't give you the clicker, so that means I have to just look at you. You and me, praise the Lord, and him. (laughs) Nothing without him. I'm going to talk to you about generous living, but I want to not just talk to you about money. I'm not talking about money. Matter of fact, I'm not going to take an offering. There's nothing wrong with taking an offering. If I really feel like the Lord says do it, I'll do it. But right now, that's not my intentions. How's that? Because when we start talking about generosity, everybody thinks about money. So if I don't proceed it with that, your natural man can't even hear by the Spirit. Because our fleshly nature says no. Why is that? Because in the garden, that's the very thing that takes care of your very livelihood. Right? And we rely on it. So we have connection to that material thing. Right? So that's why sometimes that resistance comes up. And so, but that's, I want to clear that so that you can walk with me in this word that God has given me. So let's pray. Father, I just right now, I ask you to. You've all, they've all, they, their worship to you has already set the tone for the service. 
You've already ministered to the people, and then they went into that holy place of worship. I pray that you anoint the word, anoint me, that the words that you've given me, may they absolutely change our lives. Your word changed our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. First, before I go into the word, I want to say happy anniversary. It's always one of the highlights of my whole years to come be in the anniversary service. Very proud of all of you. I'm proud of just what God has been doing here. A lot of times, just like the song says, you don't even see he's moving. He's been moving. He's moving in this atmosphere. Sometimes you don't even know who you worship for today. God's preparing an atmosphere for tomorrow and the next day. He knows what, what all of us have need of, but he knows what this city has need of. And that's why we're here, right? For the lost. God planted the church to bring a body together, but he planted us in Wilmington for a reason. Amen. And that's the reason that we're asking God to bring about. So happy anniversary. I want to say that uh, the board of directors loves you. They pray for you. Every time we come together, we pray for the givers. We pray for those that are supporting all the leaders. Pastor Doug and his family. Today we always, always bring a seed offering from Kingdom Impact to the house. And I just happened to give it to him the other day. Normally I would put that in the offering, but he's done. I guess he'll put it in the offering. He's already done it. Okay. Also, I wanted, Also, I know that a lot of you may have heard that the, that the rent on the building's going up. So we'll talk about this for a minute. I'm getting in my sermon because I don't want to forget this. The rent's going up here, $525. So Pastor Doug, this is for you. I, I, after praying in the board, you know, and Pastor Matt, so he's going to take care of that ministry. He's going to take care of that 525 through the end of the year. Yep. I think it's about 3000 some dollars. The point is... Every time the enemy comes and tries to test us and get us discouraged. So I want you to know you have a board and you have a ministry executive staff that knows the needs of this house. And we're not detached and we're not, uh, we may be separated by space, but we're together. And so we know that's, that seems to be like a burden that has come upon him and we don't want it on him. So we say, and we may do it longer, but it's going to be $3,015 is going to come. $3,050, $150. So that we can take care of that and y'all keep moving on. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So I believe in this word that I'm about to give you with everything in my being. Generous living. What is this word, generous? Who is this word? Who, whose word is this? I can tell you that living out the gospel in our lives every day is generous living. I chose this picture, and I don't know if I'm right in front of it. I might be. Because I like the fact to see the water depicts. Let's say that that water, of course, it's living water. But that is generosity today that pours into our lives. He is the generous God. And let's say that as he pours that out, that's coming into our lives, going back out into others. I believe that God was first generous <clears throat> towards us. The Father was generous towards us that he gave his only begotten son, his chosen son. The best part he sent. And then Jesus was generous by laying down his life in the most cruel death that even today is still known to be the most horrific account of someone being martyred or killed or crucified. So even today, the agony that he spent, how generous he was so that we could have really life. We could have real life abundant that begins. And can I tell you that all life begins with generosity. All life begins when you have a generous spirit. God was so generous towards us so that we could experience this generosity so that we too would be in the image of him and we would be givers. For God so loved the world that he gave so that we could give. And if you get this, and it is something, let me tell you, even today, needs to be an anointed atmosphere to receive it because your carnal mind does not want to hear it. Number two, you must renew your mind to the word of generous living. Do you understand? It does not come natural. It is an attribute of Almighty God. 
Hallelujah. Can somebody say praise the Lord? So if you receive Jesus Christ today as your Lord and Savior, then His generous spirit is in you. And you, and you, even the person says, well, I'm greedy and I know I am. He's in you. If you know Jesus, He's there. Whether or not you receive Him, whether or not you let, his, let the cap off and allow it to flow through your life is obedience. But He is in you, and He is a generous God. Amen? And so, as we receive from Him, this generosity poured out. This picture means, uh, I even chose the picture because it's open-handed. If you look up the word in our dictionary, it means open-handed. When you are closed-fisted because of fear, we call it, you know, wisdom, and let's see what else we call it. We call it, you know, those who were raised in the, uh, the, the depression era, right? Or their grandparents are their grandparents, and they, they learn behavior. Those are still natural behaviors, right? Even in famine, Isaac prospered. Even in COVID, God met this need. Even in COVID, even in this past year, even one of the years, it's not now, but before the prior to this past year, I, I gave the most when I was on disability years ago. In the year in which I was disabled, I had surgery. And can I tell you, when you make up your mind to trust God, He always shows up. And when He shows up, you are free indeed. You understand? And you get a level of freedom that breaks off of you that you have never experienced before. Hallelujah. Kingdom Impact's vision statement is, is sharing life, inspiring hope, and growing people. All three of those words are about what? Outward focus and giving. Sharing life, inspiring hope, Growing people. That's the very essence of what God told us as executive staff and the board. Who we are and what is Kingdom Impact. We're going to share our lives with one another and the lost in the world. We want to share. That means giving. That's a generous spirit. Do you understand? Did they do that in Acts? Oh, you bet they did. They shared everything. Amen? And, and, and inspire hope. And then grow people, that you're actively about the work of the Father in your life. However, our soul does not want to comply. The soul is carnal, and he will fight you tooth and nail, as the old saying goes. And because in the natural, what you hold on to and take care of yourself, you can make it. But when you release it, and you trust God, and you become an avenue of a blessing that comes through you, you become generous, you have an open hand, and that word, then it goes from being in the natural to the supernatural. Because now His kingdom is running through you, the very same Spirit that the Father sent the Son, and the Son laid down His life. And then they gave us something else, a comforter that would teach us and give to us every single day. Divine favor of the Lord, undeserved favor. Generous living is aligning our soul with His Spirit. The more you come into agreement with the life-giving water, the more you become generous. Amen? We see in the King James Version, usually doesn't use the word generous, or it uses the word generous a few times. In the Hebrew, there isn't a word for generous. But I went and said, well, what did the King James, what did William Tyndale interpret as generous? What did he translate as generous? And, the, and I looked and found out that the word he put generosity in that Bible and translated it, it was a word for willingness and blessing. And I was like, wow. So according to the word of God and the inspiration that he has given to how the word was put together, that word really means in scripture a willingness to give. Willingness to be a blessing. Willingness. So when you hear that word 
And now, even in the dictionary, Webster, how many of you know those words come from still from the Word of God? A lot of those words, right? How many of you have a copy of the Noah, the Noah Webster Dictionary, the very beginning one? They don't use that much today, but it's a lot of biblical terms in there. There's nothing new in this earth that is all things are from God. He creates everything good for his purposes. It doesn't matter if it's meant for harm, he'll turn it around. And so even the world understands the principles of the word. They claim it's not the word, but they use the principles, don't they? Because they know they work. Hallelujah. So a generous, so generosity and a generous living has to do with your heart. Not your bank account, not your learned behavior, not your mind, but your heart. And if things are deep-seated in your heart, the moment somebody mentions money, you mean, mm, you mean jerk back or mm. You need to lay that place before the Lord. How about if it's not money? Maybe it's your time. Let's go to the next slide. Are you generous with your time? You see, I find now because we live in such a busy world that we're more about guarding the time than being generous with the time. Because the enemy has caused this world and the pressures and the stress, or even we have done it without him, that we have created such a place, right, on our own hand, that we have to keep up with the schedule and, and be what we did last year and feel it. And now we got all these devices, we can even do more. But we're, now we're doing more than we're almost becoming dumb. You know, you did the whole study, I'm sure. I remember preaching the Word like 10 years ago, but yet I'm still doing it. It's like the Lord gave me the Word, and the more we use the brain the, to the degree that we're busy, the dumber we get. It's a proof. Go read the signs. How many of you depended? Well, y'all didn't. I depended on GPS. Now, I kind of know where to get here now, but the point is, if I use GPS now to go places, I didn't use my brain. I just looked, I mean, I read it, but I did not navigate it. I followed. If you're not, we're not careful, we will conform to every system in this world, and all we do is follow. Even in the church world, Pastor Doug, with other pastors and other systems, we've got to be sure that we are being transformed by the renewing of our mind by Holy Spirit so that we can prove what is the will of God for our lives and what is the will of God for this house. Amen? Are you generous? Some people say, well, yeah, I know I'm generous. But sometimes we're generous in one area, but we're not generous in other areas. And so today I want to talk about all of this. 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 9. Paul said to Timothy, do good. Be rich in good deeds. Be generous, willing to share. That was a word from Paul in the last days of his life to Timothy. He's mature now. He's been through a lot. And he's got plenty of experience and relationship with the Lord and a foundation of strength built to give us advice here that now we are to do good deeds, be rich, be rich in good deeds, be generous, willing to give. If we were to be honest with ourselves, our heart is not willing to give. Some things in our time, in our control, amen? Y'all not saying amen. That's okay. It's his word, by the way, not Tammy Daniel's word. Are you generous with your time? And this hit me. So a word always comes through me to me. Because I, some, I get to the point of an almost on edge. Because I give away so much. And, and I pray on my calendar that God's got to be first in my calendar. And he is first in the morning for sure, no matter what. Vacation doesn't matter. But, the, but sometimes, even in our generosity, we give so much or we do so much that you, you can lose your love for it and you lose the spirit and anointing on it because now it's almost an obligation. Now it's gr drudgery. 
Now it's become, and I'm talking to pastors, I'm talking to Sunday school teachers, and I'm talking to kids, uh, kids group, and I'm talking to musicians and singers. You can do something so long, and all of a sudden it becomes a chore to do it. The very thing that God poured in your heart and you were overflowing with love and joy of the Lord. It is no longer a joy because you have gone, instead of being generous, you have now gone to, I've got to guard it and I've got to hold it. And I'm going to fight them. They want this day. And if they want any more of me, nope. And so we almost get into a defensive posture. And we get in here and we get mad. Somebody tells us, please come out on Sunday night for uh, something. Or... Saturday, come feed the poor or do something else. Now, do I think that they're all balancing this, so this doesn't cover everything. But you take the word that I'm saying to you from my heart, that all of us need a Savior. Every one of us are sinners saved by grace. We all need Him. And we need Him every day to continue to grow or else we just get stuck. Who wants to be stuck? How many of you know you could just truly be stuck in an identity that you don't even know how you got there. I want God's fresh anointing upon every leader in this house. Upon from the musicians to the kids workers to the greeters to the parking lot attendants to the, to the security people. That they have prayed before they got here. And they come in knowing that they're just blessed to be a part of it. Hallelujah. How about your relationships? You know we all know. Who's generous in the household? If I say, which one, who's, don't speak it out, please. But who's generous? Who comes to be generous between you and your family and your kids or maybe you're by yourself? Who's generous in your home? I bet you if I pass the mic, you could tell me just like that. Now, who's selfish? Just like that. You got that person right there. Don't judge them. I don't want you to judge. But we know the selfish people. Don't we? They can't help themselves. It's about them. Now, they may be 10 years old, 6 years old. We got a baby across the street. He's 18 months old, and he is a selfish little fella. He goes wherever who's taking him the furthest and moving and doing something fun. He hops from, from Grammy to, to Tay-Tay. They call me Tay-Tay to, to Dad-Dad to Mommy. And then, of course, at bedtime, he wants Mommy, right? He's ready to sleep now. But he goes whatever boat's going the fastest, the way we say it. So do the other two kids, actually. But we're trying to teach them about sharing and being generous. But the truth is, why I brought that up is not for you to condemn people. But we got adults the same way. It's not just children. Right? <laughs> Please don't look at your spouse right now. <laughs> You'll miss the whole message. Hallelujah. The point I'm trying to say is we feel that. Do you know that we can pick that up one to another? And it will grow and even it will the, even the way so generosity is something that shines. When somebody is always a giver, you can't help but want to be in their company. You just like them. You know what I'm talking about? They're just always bubbly, and that mean they don't have a bad day, but you know they're just generous with their love. If you're in trouble, you're going to them because they're going to support you, right? But a person who's selfish may not, they might help you, but they may struggle because they got to look at their, make sure they got time to do it, you know? So a generous person is going to be giving, giving, giving always in every area, and the more we grow in this, the more we'll grow to be like Jesus. It is a process. You can't hide generosity. It just shines through every situation. Matter of fact, I was thinking about getting, uh, I, I thought about this a couple months ago. I was like, man, I wish I had a metal detector. Not that I would, you know, and it's a metal detector for generosity. We just scan the room. Who's it going off on? Not that we're doing that. Don't worry. You came through it this morning. You didn't even know it. It went off. You see, no, I'm just kidding. The truth is, Holy Spirit does that, doesn't he? He does that. But the ability to have generosity is in each and every person that knows Jesus. 
and you already have as much of God as you can get. When you receive salvation, you receive everything you need to be successful. It is renewing your mind, being transformed into this magnificent person that God has called you to be. You already have that uh, person that God has designed you to be. He's already given you a name as they were singing today. You've already been renewed. You are a new creation. It's just about when you decide, okay, I'm going to accept it and live in it and walk it out and believe it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you generous with your money and your possessions, your material things? Everything that I have, I said, Lord, it belongs to you. 100%, not 10%. Everything belongs to God. My car, my home. He wants me to, to let somebody stay there. He wants me to use a car. Whatever. I can tell you I got a pool and everybody likes that pool. And I'm generous with it. I had a brand new person around the block. Her and her little kids asked me a couple weeks ago, Hey, you have a pool, don't you? I was like, Yeah, she has her two little granddaughters. She's like, Can we come over one day? I said, You sure can. Everything I have belongs to the Lord. Everything I have, He gave it to me. I don't want anything to hold my heart that I'm not going to share. Now, am I going to let be have wisdom and by the Spirit understand i got to guard my home? Of course I do. Is there a time I might would say, no, I'm not going to have that party here. or I'm not going to have that function here. Because the Lord says, no. We still are led by the Spirit. I'm not talking about an emotional giver. I'm talking about a word giver. I'm talking about living the embodiment of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Are you generous in mercy? In the scripture, he says, be merciful just as your father is merciful. Now, let me scoot down to 38 before I read 35 and 36. He says, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, to be poured out into your lap. For with the measure you receive, you use, it will be measured back to you. We know that scripture in finances. But let's back up and read the two previous verses. He says, be merciful just as your father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. He's talking about giving here, people. He's talking about giving mercy. He's talking about generous living, that you give mercy where mercy is not deserved. He says, don't refrain from judgment. That's giving, loving, understanding, having mercy for them. That's generous living. Then he goes into, for in the measure you give it, what? Mercy. Refraining from judgment. I will give it back to you. Who wants mercy? Who doesn't want to be judged because you make a mistake? Then don't judge anyone else. But these are not things that our natural man is going to follow suit and do. It's not natural. It's supernatural. And if you try to be good on your own, forget it. You will fail. But if you try to do all things through Christ who strengthens you, he will mature you. He will pick you up anything that's been, you've been learned behavior. I don't care, the most greediest person, the most fearful person, he will set your feet upon a rock. He will tell you to trust him in the middle of the storm. And then all of a sudden you'll just be radical for Jesus. That's who he is. He's generous. Hallelujah. Generous living is a condition of heart. Where's your heart? Are you generous? Are you generous with your talents and gifts? God blesses us with our talents and gifts in the world even to make a living. Right? Even the lost have talents and gifts. How do you think, right, that they're successful? No doubt the call of God on their life. He planted a beautiful singing voice. All these superstars, those are blessings and gifts from the Lord. They just choose to not do it for the Lord, right? Are you bringing your talent, whatever it is? You're, you're, you're back there, you're good at IT. Praise the Lord, John, thank you, right? Are you good at all of these things? 
That's why God is saying, bring your talents, bring your gifts to the house of the Lord. It's scriptural. Even when he built the tabernacle, what did he do? He brought the craftsmen and the artisan. He brought them to the house. They came with the trade in which he gave them. Do you understand? When you are generous, all you're doing is giving back what already he gave you. Nothing good comes from the flesh. Not one good thing. And if you think you're the one that built the life of which you have, you are mistaken. We work and cooperate with the Spirit, but it is only by His power. It is not by our might, but by His Spirit, says the Lord. It is because you said, God, use me. Now, is there times where we're totally don't even realize it, you know, and we're excited. He builds our confidence in it. Yes, he does. And he does use us in cooperation. We can say, no, my will is I ain't doing what the Lord wants me to do. And you'll prosper because that's the law of prosperity there because you're going to take that gift and you'll prosper. But at the same time, there's going to come a day when God says you need to grow up and mature. You need to put away childish behavior. I'm talking to believers. And then there comes a day when he'll require what he's put in your hands to be given back to him. And what you try to hold on to, you will lose it. The thing that Job feared the most came upon him. The very thing he was afraid to lose, he lost it. Do you understand? If there wasn't a place, Satan would not have taken everything. Hallelujah. Let's go to the next one. Proverbs eleven twenty five. The generous soul will be made rich. He who waters will also be watered himself. When you inspire hope, which is our second one, it comes back into your life. When you lost hope, when you've lost hope, you might sow and inspire hope to somebody two months ago, and all of a sudden the enemy hits you in a place because all of us have those places because he is still working on us. He that has begun a good work in us, right, will accomplish until the day of Jesus Christ, until his coming. He's working on us. He's working on me. Look at your neighbor say, he's working on you. He never stops working, as that song said today. When you inspire hope, you sow seed for hope, because I already read the measure in which you sow it, the measure you receive it. The very day you need hope, it's coming, because you sowed it. And even the enemy will come and say, well, you do all this and nobody gives it back. But guess what? You hold on and you be faithful because his word never lies. His word will not return void. It said, The Bible says, don't be deceived because the enemy comes to deceive you. That everything you've done good, everything in your attitude and how you've taken it, even when you weren't guilty. And maybe you were falsely accused or maybe you've been broken. You've been wounded. But listen to me. He says, don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he reap. When? If he doesn't give up. You can be deceived and give up. And it may be five years ago that you sowed for today the storm that's coming. And you've already sowed for it. And here you are now. You're just going to reap going through that storm because you already sowed and you didn't give up. Maybe that child five years ago, you've sowed a seed. You've prayed. You've done whatever God's told you to do. You don't give up because that's the place that he deceives you, that it's over. It's never over. Never. We believe God for salvation. We must believe God for complete healing in our lives and maturing in Him. We have to continue to grow and mature in what God has for us. Hallelujah. Throughout the years in ministry, I have struggled and it grieves me when I see people get to a certain point in the Lord. Pastor Doug, you know, you know the ones that are saved, they're filled with a baptism in three, four, five years. You know, they're on your team, they're serving. But then they get to a certain point and they've arrived and they just start going sideways. Because if you don't continue to grow and be challenged and know that you need to always be a student of the word, then you're just going to get stagnant. And oh, you're a good person, praise the Lord, pay your tithes, come to church, never miss. But you're not serving, and there's no life flowing from you. You love the Lord, you come and worship on Sunday, but what do you do Monday through Saturday? Because what we're called to do is come and celebrate today what we did all week through Him. That's what coming together in the congregation is about. Amen?
Hallelujah. You yourself will be watered. Look at the next one. Benefits of generosity. Now, this is according to the psychologists and the world's, you know, doctors. Even that they try to prove, it always proves the word of God. They won't say that, but it does. I thought I would read it to you. It's, they, the, the list is, if you are generous, or the benefits of generosity leads to higher levels of happiness for yourself and others. The world says this. Stronger community ties. Healthier self-image. This, this is what the world science says. Increases, the next one, increases your relationship strength and reduces the chance of divorce. Just to be generous. Guys, you want your wife to love you more than anything? Just start being generous. Am I right, ladies? Come on. Just smile and be generous. What can I do for you? Right? Same way with the men, with the ladies, right? Be generous. Let me go golfing. Yeah, amen. Praise God. Y'all want to scream it from the rooftops. I know it. Listen to this one. You're more likable and attractive to others. That's what the world says. I just read you the scripture. When he says, let your light shine. Well, I actually didn't read it. I was going to, and I skipped through for being fast. But I can tell you that when the light is shining, it's going to shine through of generosity. You're actually more likable. People want to be your friend. Who needs to have friends? Find all about generous living. Find about, find out. Even the scripture says, if you want a friend, be a friend. We teach the kids that, right? Well, can I tell you some adults that? You want friends? Become a friend. Right? Hallelujah. When you're generous, people are naturally drawn to you. And guess what? That supernatural generosity way outweighs the natural generosity. And all of a sudden, they're like, I don't know what it is about you, but I just like you. I'm like, it's the anointing. No, they don't know that in the average workplace, but I know what they're saying. It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit in me. That they're like, man, what's going on? What's on her? What's on him? They just walk by me. Something different about that person. You can't hide generosity. You can't hide love. Because that's what it is. Amen? And our vision statement, let's go to that. Sharing life, inspiring hope, growing people. All three of these are outward focus and not inward focus. So that means the church as a whole has got to be living in victory. Even if you're having a hard day, doesn't mean you're not living in victory. You could be going through one of the worst disasters of your life, but you're closer to God than you've ever been. And when you come through that thing, you're going to say, wow, how did I ever do that? It was only by the help and the mercy of God, only by His grace was I able to achieve that. Isaiah 32 and 8, John, go to the next one. But generous people plan to do what is generous. When you become generous, then you start, the more you become generous, the more you plan to be generous. And the more you're generous in your time, the more you're generous in your talents and your gifts, the more you're generous with your heart, the more you're generous in your giving. The more you're generous in your giving, it keeps on coming because the way you give it, it comes back. Then the more generous you are in relationships, and you might prefer your husband to have the last glass of milk or whatever. Diet Coke. <laughs> Preferring your brother. Preferring one another. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's the fruit of him that the world will know. You're his disciples. Is the way we love one another. Our ability to love is based on the ability that we have received love and we understand and condition our mind to supernatural living in Him. Amen? Generous living. Generous people plan it. They decide it. Now it's a part of their regiment. It's first. Can I tell you what we plan to do happens? If you plan to save for a boat, you'll get that boat. If you plan, right? 
If you play in teenagers for a pair of shoes, you get them. Right? Even the kids, you plan to get a certain toy, you make sure mom and dad know that every day for two months, for Christmas. And you even run and tell them that's the, that's the commercial. Or let's look at it together. That's what the kids across the street do. Let's look at it on, on Tay-Tay on uh, Amazon. You know, it's something else when you have a seven-year-old. He texted me a little while ago. Sends me something on Amazon that he'd like for his birthday on April 3rd. That he's in his room and he's found what he wants and he just sends it to me. That's how skilled the kids are. Texting me, hey, I'm praying for you today. Isn't that awesome? Hey, sweetheart, Grayson, he's a blessing. Real sweetheart. Now, the other one's 10. She's like, hey, I want to spend a weekend with you. I said, sorry, I'm in Wilmington. <laughs> She's like, okay, move right on to somebody else. I'm sure next person. <laughs> but, you know, the point I'm trying to tell you is we teach our children to be hoarders. We teach our children to have fear. We teach our children to be tight-fisted. We teach our children not to love. We teach our children don't share. Look out for yourself. Because nobody else is going to look out for you. This is the lie and the deception of the enemy in the garden that Eve, he has not, has he really withheld this fruit? If you know this fruit, you can rely on yourself and not on God. Same thing that came again in the Tower of Babel. Build this thing up after the flood and let's see what happens here. What does he say? After the flood now. Build this tower, right? And he said what? That so that they could know. They, could, they wouldn't have to rely on God. This is man's carnal nature. We don't want nobody. We want to control our life. We want to not trust God. We say we do. But at the end of the day, we have less fear and anxiety when we see it in the bank. When we see it in the form of something that's material. But there will come a time when the just shall live by faith. Or you will never go to great things. You will only go to the things that are limited in your life. Things you can see. Things you can produce with the help of the Lord. But you will not get out into the deep. And you will not do great valiant things without, unless you could see it. And I'm saying to you, even Paul says, hope that is seen is not even hope I'm talking about. The hope I'm talking about, you can't see any movement. Faith comes by Hearing, right? The substance of faith is the things hoped for. Mm. You plan it. You know it. You desire it. You move in it. Sometimes you don't know all the answers. Sometimes there is fear. You, that's what the, Joyce Meyer says, do it, do, it, uh, do it afraid, but do it. And then he'll, he'll see. He's there to help you trust. I'm thinking about the woman this morning in Shunem. The woman who would go and hear the prophet Elisha. Elijah, sorry. She would go in Kings, and she would go and hear him preach and speak. And something about him was very different. And she was a woman who, they owned a farm there, a large farm, her and her husband. And she would go to the, hear him preach and prophesy, and she was so drawn to him that her heart, the response, by the way, when you are encountered with the Lord is to automatically give back. Automatically. Nobody has to tell you. It just happens. Y'all started worshiping. You started giving back, didn't you? Because he's amazing. And the Bible says that she went to him and says she went to her husband. And she came into agreement with her husband. Listen, I believe that we should make his life a little easier. He's doing a good work. Let's feed him. So what do they do? They invite him for food. I'm paraphrasing it. They invite him for food. Right there, sharing a meal, opening their home to the prophet, to the person that's trying to speak into their neighbors and into the world. Can you imagine inviting Elijah to, the, to your house? That's pretty powerful. I mean, this woman had no idea who this prophet really was. I mean, the one, you know, that's amazing. We go on that whole all day long. But then something happened because generosity is progressive. It gets bigger 
and bigger and bigger. The more you practice it, the more you recognize him, the more you allow it to come through you, the more he trusts you with, the more it's coming your way, the more, right, pressed down, shaking together, running over, the more he's bringing people your way, the more he sends you, the more he brings you to give finances here, the more, whatever it is, your neighborhood, your family, your job, people getting saved because you're trustworthy with one person at lunchtime. It grows. Then she says, let's build him a room. I don't want him to come and leave. I want to provide a place for him to sleep. I want a haven in my house. I'm going to share my house. Here's what she did. She built a tiny house on her house. Because he says they have a bed, a table, and a chair. (laughs) She built a room for him on her home. How many of you are going to build a room for the prophet? I, don't, I have to come to a hotel every time, anybody? <laughs> so you understand, this is a really big thing even then. Built the room. I want you in my house. It represents the word, right, the prophet. I want you in my house. I want what I know is on you. I want it in my house. I want it to multiply over my, ch- over my family. Well, now we know the story. Gehazi is her servant, his servant, and we know that now he's in his room, and he's like, man, enjoying this. And, and, and we're no different to pastors or no matter who you are. When you've been blessed, you immediately, the same way as you, feel like, man, what can I give back? Because to the measure we receive, we got to keep giving, right? To the measure we give, it comes back. Well, then it goes again. And so this person, which is Elijah, he says, what can I do for this house to do such amazing, generous thing? And Gehazi said, well, I know she doesn't have a son. You know this story. And he's like, okay. So the word of the Lord came, and he went to her, and he says, this time you're going to have a son. Well, she didn't even think about having a son. The Bible doesn't even talk about this. But God said, I'm going to multiply. That son may have never even been in her bosom. It may have never been in her seed. Listen, had she never opened her heart and took a risk and invited him into her home. If she had never shared, that would have never come into her life. How much are we missing Because we're not generous. How much? Because we're controlling everything in our life. How much do we hold back the blessings and the blessings upon our family and our children's children? Because we just want everything to be neat and tidy and in order. And we don't want to have faith. Amen? I'm preaching to me. And so, it's progressive. The more generous you become, the more generous you will be. The more generous you'll be, the more it is going down to four generations. You will multiply it. You will be like no other family in the neighborhood. They won't even understand. Well, why are they building on? Why they got that? Well, you need to know what they're sowing over there. You're judging people because they're blessed and they're great givers. Hallelujah. She says, the Bible says, now what happens? Everything that God gives you, there's still another test. Because he's gone to test your hearts. Just like he did uh, in, in, in Egypt when he brought them out and gave them the wealth of the Egyptians, right? And what did they do? They should have went up on the mountain and worshipped, but they were afraid to go into the presence of God. So while Moses was gone, what did they do? They took the royalty. They took the gold. They took the blessing of the Lord, and they melted it into a calf, and they worshipped it. It's the same thing in America. We melt down the blessings. And we worship them. Hallelujah. Some things just come while I'm up here. (laughs) Hallelujah. And he knows what we need, when we need it. But now her son has died. The son, she she said, prophet, why get my hopes up? I didn't even, you're the one who told me I could have a son. I didn't even ask for the son. Now he's dead. This is horrible. He's like nine or ten years old. The Bible says he's in the field. What does the Bible say? That he had a pain in his head, no doubt from some type of heat stroke. The Bible says that if you read the book of Kings, uh, fourth chapter, he says she died in his arms. It's the place that we get the most beautiful song, 
that you hear and you don't probably even know the story. And the Bible says that her husband, she took him and she laid him on the bed of the prophet. Because she didn't know what to do. She was shattered, no doubt, hurt, broken. But God has a plan. He knows so much more than we do. we got to trust Him. Not always is it resurrected in our life. Sometimes He wants to continue. He'll show you. He will bring you through it and He will bring you into more. You just must trust Him. But I'll tell you what happens. The husband comes up there and what does he say? I'm going to see the prophet. Why are you doing that? It's not even noonday. It's not even the Sabbath. What are you doing? It's not Shabbat. She said, it is well. We get the song, it is well with my soul. I don't know what's going on. I'm being tested with everything that God promised me. But I'm going to take it back to the only one I know. And she goes out in the field and the Bible says that he sees her coming. Gehazi runs out and she says he's died and he comes. The Bible says he lays upon the prophet on the bed. He revives him, brings him back to life. All of this is the same thing. It's like Abraham, he prophesied here. God prophesies you're going to be a father of many nations. He gives him Isaac and then whatever. He tells him to take him to the mountain and what? Sacrifice him. What? The very thing that he gives you, you must give it back up to the Lord. Lest he can't use it. It's mixed. We take those things. And then the Bible says, but that's where people stop preaching. But that's not the end of that story. You go multiple chapters over. And now because she's still in relationship, it's 20, 25 years later. The son's not there. She's a widow. Her husband's died. She's over the farm. And what happens? Famine's coming. And the Bible says that Elijah, the same Elijah that told her about, has been with her, been in company. She's in relationship. I'm talking to people in relationship with Jesus. You've been through some things. And you've come through some things. You are seasoned. Right? And then the prophet says you need to get up and leave. For seven years there's going to be a famine. You need to get up, take your family, and leave this country. She knows to obey the prophet. She gets up and she leaves. The very farm, the very place, she built the room for the prophet. Is she going to trust him or not? She gets up, she comes, and here's what happens seven years later. She comes back. The Bible says you have to go before the king in historical times. When you leave, the taxes, when the famine, the taxes of the farm and all the income and the livestock goes to the king. So here, she's got to go before the king. And she's going to plead her case to give her back her land, to give her back her resources. Now, she left the country. You think the king should give her her stuff back? But there's something happens here. Gehazi is talking to the king. The king is excited. He's talking to Gehazi. Just tell me those stories of Elijah. Tell me those stories that you've been a part of. I want to know. I want to know. Come on. He said, oh, well, my favorite one is about the, the woman in Shunem who didn't have a child. And he prophesied a child, and he died, and he come back, and he raised him from the dead. And the Bible says, if you read the scripture, it says, as he was talking, he reached around, he turned, and in comes the woman from Shunem who's now coming before the king in a big line. She's in a line to ask for mercy. And I started this sermon with whatever you give mercy, you receive mercy. She's coming for mercy. She doesn't deserve it according to the law of the land. But she's standing in line going to ask him for mercy to let her come back to her land. And the Bible says that as he was telling him this story, all of a sudden, the king, he to Gehazi, glances, sees her, and he says, that's the woman. That's her. The king is so impressed, bring her up. Tell me about this. He says, restore to her her king, her farm. Restore to her her livestock, everything the day that she left. Restore to her all the wealth of that farm today. Don't let her lose anything. Everything it made while she was gone, every part of it, give it back to her. Put her back into that place and restore her. Are you listening to me? It's not just about money. It's about your heart. And if things come to you and you don't want to be generous, you need to take that place and rip it open and lay it before the Lord and ask God, what is the stronghold that's keeping me from being generous? What is fear in my life? Where am 
I not trusting you? Where am I afraid of getting hurt? Where am I afraid of losing? Where am I afraid that I'm going to be left alone on my own accord? Generosity opens a door in which you don't even know opens for access for your future and for your children's future. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to end with this. Go to the next one. Oh, I'm not. Am I on it? Go ahead. Yeah. How to cultivate a heart of generosity. Number one, defy selfishness. Come on, Nick. Come to the keyboard. Number one, defy selfishness. I use the word defy because the word defy means, when I went and looked it up, that's what came to my spirit. I went and looked the word up, defy. It means confront with assurance. Confront selfishness every time it comes up. The more you confront selfishness, the more you are experienced to recognize selfishness. The more you are able to overcome selfishness. Defy it. How many of you remember that old, old joke? The little boy, I remember when I was little, I heard this joke. The father gave the little boy, let's tell you how long ago. The father gave the little boy two quarters. You heard this? One for church, kids' church, called Sunday school then. And one for an ice cream after church. How many of you know it don't, it tells more than a quarter? He was on his way to church. He's walking to church. He gets up to church. He drops his quarter. He's throwing them up in the air like a little boy's will do. He drops it in the storm drain. He looks down that quarter. He looks up at God. He looks back down there and he said, well, there goes your quarter. Because left to our carnal nature, that's the way we think. And that doesn't make you a horrible person. That makes you that natural man in a fleshly body. That you need to renew in the spirit because that's not who God says you are. He will take, and this is another thing, the very gifts in your life, if you're called, because I didn't, I was going to get into this Friday and I didn't, if you're called to be a giver, to have the gift of giving, he will do everything he can to keep you locked up and in fear and never do that, never walk in that. If you're called to teach, he will do everything he can to make you feel stupid or make you feel dumb or make you feel like uneducated or make you feel not worthy so you'll never teach. He comes to rob. He's, the Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What is he coming to steal? The fruit. The fruit. The fruit. He's coming to steal. He don't care if you come to church and you never really are generous and you never do anything in the house. You never bring your service to the Lord. You just come and receive, receive. We love you. We want you to come. But we want you to have an encounter with Jesus. That something changes like the woman at the well. And she cannot wait to go tell thousands of people still Samaria, one of the greatest revivals of all times in history. It's because a man sat down and went out of his way and went to a place that was absolutely forbidden for a Jewish rabbi to do and sat down on that well and talked to her. She, she went and said, come and see the man that told me everything I am and I know. You see, because you can't help but give. You can't hide it. When you've received an encounter, you cannot stuff it down. It comes out. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Defy selfishness. All sin, by the way, I want to say this. All sin that we ever go into, all sin that we ever commit is to meet a need in our life. A need that we think we need. A need that we decide will help us feel better. All sin. I want you to think about that a moment. Hallelujah. Temptation is to be selfish, greedy, hoarded up, become so knowledgeable in the day of famine you have enough because you plan for that day. You're not going to have enough for the neighbor because you just counted on you and your four. God nowhere said, make sure you and your four are good and don't worry about nobody else. He says, share, do good deeds to one another. It doesn't say, just think about your people. No, you're supposed to do more. God's created all of you for more than where you are. More with what you've got. And there's a reason. Number two, how to cultivate a heart of generosity. Replace fear with trust. Decide where is fear present that I can't be generous. 
generous people trust God. Let's stand. How to cultivate a heart of generosity? Ask yourself today, what's keeping me from being generous? Once you realize that, what is the willingness to, to, to bless? What is the willingness to give? It takes courage. It takes trust to be generous. It takes faith. It takes love to be received. Number three, come into agreement with his generous spirit and implement a plan toward generous living. Teach your children about it. Do you know that your children watch more of what you do than what you say? So when you have a home that decides at Christmas time before that, we're, we're going to go in, we do it every year, and we're going to go in the closet, and we're going to get out everything. Something that we can get rid of or something we can give away. Not something we don't play with, but something that we can just give to somebody that doesn't have it. Because, you know, we know we're going to receive at Christmas time. And that's, you know, we teach kids that. We teach our kids that. This is a good thing, but it really should be all year, all year long. It's great in this place, fostering this place. I want you to close your eyes this morning. I'm going to just do one prayer here, but if you're in the room today and you know you're there's always a place in all of us in every area, so we really could all answer the call. But I want you to lift your hand today. If there's an area that you know, wow, I've just not been generous in. I've been too much on guard with it. I want you to lift your hand in the room, all over the room. Come on, there's places that you know, you know, you know, you ain't, you've been stingy with. Or, or you just don't even want to bring it. But maybe it's your craft. Maybe it's your heart. Maybe it's an all-in spirit. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe, maybe God wants to use you. I mean, let me ask you this. Who in the room needs the Lord to release them from fear? They can trust God. Yes. Yes. All over this room. I want you to lift your hands if you feel comfortable. If you don't, you don't have to. It's just a sign of surrender. Father, we lift our hands today. We want this word, this powerful word of yours. Wash over our minds, our hearts. Renew our mind. We want to be generous people. We are generous, but we have to remind ourselves who we are. We have to renew our minds. We have to, we have to hear the word. We have to not, when we leave here, the enemy will come. And the Bible says he will snatch it from you. If you don't say no, I'm going to begin today to agree with this in my life. I want to come higher. I believe God is calling this house to be higher. I want to tell you that God is calling this house to be at a higher level. There are some of you, you've been able to stay in a certain place, but now God is wanting to bring you higher into maturity. I sense that, I hear that for the, for, the, for the people that are coming, for the people that are coming that He's called you to. So Father, I pray now that your generous spirit that's in us would ignite and explode. Lord, we lay our selfish thoughts down. We lay our selfish deeds down. We lay our bank account down. We lay our retirement down, all the investments down. We lay our campers down, our boats down, our fishing poles down. We lay down swimming pools and we lay down apartments. We lay down new furniture. We lay down anything that would be an idol before you. Everything we have, we give it back to you. We want you to be first place in it. I pray today that they begin to plan to be generous. They begin to plan, Lord, to hear your voice and to hear and to be this person that gives. Because your word says it's so much better to, to give than receive. May we, may we live this word every day we live here. May the world see that we have something we've received that we can give to them. Let us be thankful, God, because we know, God, I know that you spoke your word to me that we cannot be generous if we are not grateful. A generous person is grateful. When we are selfish and we are ungrateful, it's impossible to be generous. Father, I bless you for today. I thank you now for the word is what changes our lives. It is your word. It's your presence, but it's your word that sets us free. Hallelujah. Can you give the Lord praise today? Come on. Come on, let's give him praise for his amazing word. Thank you so much for staying late today. It's an anniversary day. We used to call these days homecoming. We used to eat on the ground. Do you remember that? Who did that? Yeah. Things are coming back around, people. Maybe we'll have homecoming one day, right? 
Praise the Lord. I love you. I'm so grateful to see all of you in this house and what God is doing with Gina and, and, and with Pastor uh, Gina and Pastor Doug and these kids. I am so grateful for all the leaders, every one of you, home group leaders and those that support finance team and the sound and the IT back there. I'm grateful for you because it may seem like I don't see what you're doing, but I do know because I'm in contact with him. I don't know your personal life, but I know who's serving. By the time I keep coming back and forth, and I want you to know we do love you. We support you. And I'm looking forward. See, look at this room. If this room is filled like this every Sunday, you're going to another service. Because you won't be able to, to grow if you don't. And so God wants every one of you to become the leaders in the next service. Oh, praise the Lord. That's an unselfish thought. Come to one, work one. I think that's the way they call it, right? Come to one, worship, work one. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's give your pastor the biggest clap Amen. and praise. Amen. Thank you. I think, I think it's called serve one, sit one is how they put it uh, today. But praise God for that. So good to see you, man. Please come back next week. Be with us again and again and again. See him again next week. We want to fill this place up every week so we can continue to grow. Amen. Amen. God bless you. And, and, and also remember um, our, our Kingdom Impact Southampton Church, the one who is, is helping us with, with the, 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 the uh, extra part of the, our uh, rent. Please be praying for them that God will continue to give them increase. Amen. And they need a building. Yep, they need a building. So, yep, so that's seed. So, God bless you. Have a wonderful day. See you all in about five minutes.